0: A fan has allegedly racially abused South Sydney Rabbitohs star player, Latrell Mitchell
1: Who cares what colour he is? It's just not on It's not the first time we've come here as a club and our players have been racially abused Like, where does it end? Mr Albanese touched down in India last night
0: for a four-day tour For
1: Australia, India is a top-tier security partner
0: Early next week, the Prime Minister Anthony Albanese will meet with US President Joe Biden and British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak to announce a new deal enabling Australia to acquire nuclear-powered submarines. Red Alert is our uh, bringing together five experts in the field of national security and forcibly they concurred on the critical points. Uh, We're talking about China. Second, that it was a real and imminent threat. Should the media report on war predictions? The whole report is supposed to be about a war with China, but there's naturally not that much concrete analysis on China's intentions and capability. There have been big changes recommended for employees. The Senate inquiry recommending the federal government trial, a four-day working week at full pay. As expected, the RBA
1: rose again. It was flagged, the markets anticipated it, but it will still sting. The lowest I have gone for a dinner for two is $3.51.
0: For two people. For
1: two people. Yeah.
0: And it wasn't dog food?
1: No, it wasn't dog food. The rat... <laughs>
0: This week we've crossed the seas to build our relationship with the world's largest democracy whilst the cat was let out of the bag regarding the submarines that will soon be plying our waters. Joining me to wrap up the week is Hugh Rimmington, National Affairs Editor for Channel 10, and Dr Yadu Singh, who's the Secretary for the Federation of Indian Associations of New South Wales. Great to have you both. Welcome aboard.
2: Thank you. How are you, Andy? Well,
0: let's start with you, Yadu. I have I met you a few years ago reporting in the Indian-Australian community. You are a leader for that community. I would imagine you'd see this visit as being long overdue with the Prime Minister heading to India.
2: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. See, we have about a million uh, strong uh, Indian-Australian community in Australia, and we always look for anything which will improve and accelerate the relationship between Australia and India. So Prime Minister Albanese going to India, they are going to be talking about defense, security, Indo-Pacific, rare earth uh, minerals, and so many things, particularly involving our own uh, region, Indo-Pacific. This is going to bring two great countries, we love both countries, uh, on the same page and cooperate more actively to actually achieve great results for the whole area and the whole globe. So, yes, of course, we were always are very happy that uh, visits like this are happening uh, as we speak. Of course, uh, Yadu,
0: India is the world's largest democracy, uh, but you have some concerns about how it exercises its power, particularly when it comes to its relationship with countries like Russia. Do you really think this is something that Anthony Albanese can influence? Is that his role and task on this visit?
2: Look, uh, India had taken a neutral stance uh, with a uh, Russian attack on Ukraine. And main reason was that close to 55-60% of our arms ammunition supply actually comes from Russia. And we have very hostile neighbors, China and Pakistan. So India had to be mindful of its own security uh, implications and interests. And that is why India has not been as overt and open to attack or uh, condemn Russia. Having said that, Mr. Modi, Prime Minister Modi said just a few months ago to Mr. Putin directly that this is not the time for war. These things should be resolved by talk and negotiation and debate. So we are not supporting Russia for its attack on Ukraine, but we have certain compulsions and therefore we have taken that stance. Will Mr. Albiniji be able to persuade Mr. Modi to take a more public stance against Russia? I doubt it. Because at the end of the day, every country has to decide its stance, its stand based on its national interest. And India's national interest. Uh, supports keeping a neutral stance, but is still not supporting Russia openly. You might remember, India uh, basically uh, did not vote, did not support Russia in all those meetings, Security Council, UN General Council, anywhere. So India had a difficult uh, sort of a, 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 a situation, but I doubt Mr. Albanese would be able to persuade Mr. Modi to act just as America acts, or Australia Acts, or UK Acts. I wish we, are, we were not too dependent on Russia. And if we were not, we would have been as vocal as everybody else. So I doubt it.
0: Hugh Reminton uh, the opposition is wont to paint Mr as Airbus Albo. This is uh, a number of trips I think we're up to about, well, it's in the double figures for sure, overseas for this Prime Minister. What do you make of the timing of this visit?
1: It's always a good time to go to India. I don't think it's a bad time at all i mean he's a prime minister who represents australia on a global stage and uh, this is a key partnership it's an increasingly important one for us uh, strategically and economically so he should be going to india and uh, you know uh, t- you know airbus elbow is you know if that's if that's the line is it's just a terrible sort of soundbite cheap shot really it, and it's got nothing to do with what's going on in the world uh, india is critical uh, to where the world is going to shape It has real importance to the world that we'll be living in strategically and in terms of our national security. Uh, It's, as we've just heard there from Dr. Singh, it it holds a role which is um, certainly not as far as China is in terms of supporting uh, Russia, but it's not as strongly condemnatory of Russia as uh, much of the rest of the world. It still has arms deals going on with Russia. And it is also part of the Quad countries with the United States, Japan, and Australia. And the Quad is perceived as being a kind of a counterbalancing effort against China. India has uh, active low-level conflict with China along the uh, sort of disputed border area in in the north. And China has recently said that there's an entire state of India, Arunachal Pradesh, which it views as being South Tibet and it wants to uh, claim it. It, It's putting a claim in on it. So there are a lot of strategic plays that are going to go on that involve uh, India and that will involve Australia as well and it is good that the Prime Minister is thoroughly engaged.
0: In fact, I recall that global population projections had that India would overtake China as the world's most populous nation at last January. So we are talking about a massive opportunity for Australia in the population of India, both commercially and, and for political reasons. Obviously, Dr Singh, education is a really big one there. Deakin University announced it will become the first university in the world to, uh, to open an international teaching campus in India. I mean, it can't be under underestimated the importance of education between these two nations.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. See, Australian education export, India is number two market. Australian education export. Uh, Students from India love Australian education, even though there are some irritants, but they generally love education uh, supplied by the institutions in Australia. So this is a very good news that a very prominent university from Australia has opened, or going to open rather, a, a campus in India. I actually want to see more campuses, maybe Sydney Uni, maybe University of New South Wales, maybe ANU, maybe University of Melbourne, because... There is a great demand in India for quality education. And there will be win-win situations for both the universities from Australia and, of course, Indian students because we will have a greater quality of education which would create a great feeling to us, Australia. And, of course, money would be made uh, by India because the people will stay there and they will keep paying money to India but also to the universities from Australia. So that's a very good thing. And I want to see more of those things happening.
0: Let's move on uh, to the worst kept secrets this week. Uh, Though they, they were details about the forthcoming submarine purchases with unconfirmed reports that will delight both our AUKUS partners. The uh, Prime Minister will be in San Diego next week where he's expected to cement this relationship, announcing that we'll be purchasing up to five Virginia-class submarines from the US before developing our own hybrid version of the Virginia-class submarine using UK Astute Subs. Hugh, I'll come to the substance of these leaks in a minute, but where or whom do you think is responsible for these leaks? It's difficult to know what is the truth, given the reading this week.
1: Yes, look,
0: the, there was a
1: suggestion the leaks were coming through the United States side. We don't know. These things get planted. Uh, the journalists won't reveal their sources. Uh, the main thing is is that they haven't been denied. So they give us a fairly clear view as to what's going to be announced. There may be further things that are announced uh, when uh, Anthony Albanese meets up with Joe Biden and Rishi Sunak in San Diego in the coming days. This is a momentous uh, defence announcement. Uh, As we've seen in the uh, nine newspapers, there are those in senior strategic analysis positions who believe that it's uh, still coming too late, that the progress is too slow. But um, but these are big announcements, make no mistake.
0: Yeah, the, the stopgap measure with the Virginia class has been described by one analyst as a massive curveball. I mean, it did come as a surprise. Is there strategy here or is this diplomacy in real time uh, from the Albanese government?
1: Well, there's, there's strategy here, and that's simply because the plan is to create the AUKUS submarine as a new build of some kind. Uh, and we're, we're led to believe that it'll be based on the British astute model, but it'll be a new uh, a new submarine, a new design. Now, that pushes it off for far too long into the future for the capability gap that will, will yawn open. And so the Virginia-class uh, purchase, the five Virginia-class nuclear submarines that the Americans produce, uh, these are big boats. Um, they're the length of a football field. They have 132-member crew. Uh, they, in the American hands carry nuclear weapons, they won't in the Australian uh, hands, we still won't get them for uh, another decade or more. So there is still this uh, significant capability gap uh, that Australia is in. There are people who think the whole thing is nonsense. We shouldn't be talk about these things. We should, you know, make plowshares, not make weapons. Um, but uh, certainly at the moment, given the strategic uh, tensions that are there potentially, the stuff that's coming out of China, um you know, it's it's not sort of warmongering, uh, I think, to say that defence matters and we've got to uh, be far less complacent than we were.
0: If you just tuned in on RN Drive, Channel 10's National Affairs Editor, Hugh Rimminton, and Dr Yadu Singh, the Secretary for the Federation of Indian Associations of New South Wales, are here with me, wrapping up the week's news and current affairs. Now, of course, this brings us neatly to the reasons, as uh, Hugh was saying, in terms of warmongering, uh, that we need... To beef up our defences as a deterrent, of course. On Tuesday this week, readers of the nine papers were left choking on their cornflakes with the publication of their Red Alert series, which suggested, amongst other things, that war with China could break out within three years. This did feel, well, it did feel a little bit like uh, be alert and be very alarmed. Uh, What did you make of these headlines, Yadu?
2: Well, I did read uh, Sydney Morning Herald uh, articles. I didn't like it because, see, matters like this are supposed to be discussed and debated and decided behind the scene. Whatever capability gap we have, which of course we have, we need to be acting on those capability gaps rather than going to the top newspapers and reporting that we're going to have war with China within three years. So I actually put a tweet that these matters are for private discussion rather than public Domain discussion. So I didn't like the, uh, the the way they were doing it. Of course, we have capability gap, and that's what Hugh was saying. Uh, but uh, Hugh, uh, one thing which is very pleasing that the time when we will have uh, Virginia class uh, subs uh, from America. During this time gap, we will have American subs coming to Australia, rotating from here and there. So they are trying to bridge the gap which we have at the moment, of our capability and Chinese capabilities. So. I did not like Sydney Morning Herald or those papers going this open about something which may or may not happen. Uh, I think we should have been very smarter.
0: Hugh, I'm interested in your view because as someone who's lived in China for five years, I'm curious about that, but also the journalism here. Do you think gathering a panel of experts... Somehow becomes a you know a prophecy fulfilled, or this idea that oh, we've all gathered together in a room and we've got these experts and we've decided. So that's the story. Do you know what I mean? Well,
1: well, I, I certainly think the five people who have, who have got expertise in this area talking about it is not going to of itself bring on a war that otherwise wouldn't happen uh at my view I, I respectfully disagree with dr singh in the sense that this is an enormous amount of money that's being laid out uh, you you know and the time scales are quite long the lead times are quite long uh, the australian public in my view are perfectly entitled to have an idea even if just purely on financial grounds uh what it's going to cost to get these submarines you know what is the opportunity uh, cost to other areas of public spending, whether it's NDIS or aged care or or health, education, and all these other sorts of areas, it should be in the public debate. I, I think that um, it, you know the the Murdoch Press is is particularly skillful at tabloid headlines, and and they do it in a particular way. And I just think it seems jarring to, you know, to readers familiar with the nine newspapers who see it as uh, as being not the, sort of the usual language and approach that you see from those particular former broadsheet newspapers. But I think the fundamentals of it are that these are enormous issues for Australia. They should be publicly debated, uh, they, and they, they can be abused put, as has been put by Paul Keating and others, that um, all of this is... Uh, you know, inappropriate um, because it's uh, essentially poking the bear in a way, I suppose, is is or poking the dragon is, is part of, I guess, the, the, you know, the fear about it, that we need to actually have a rhetorical relationship with China that is at a lower, cooler temperature. And Anthony Albanese certainly tried to do that. But we can't forget that the strategic changes that have happened in the Pacific have happened substantially because of china's decisions not anyone else's and the language about uh, an attack on taiwan uh, has come from xi jinping himself and he now heads a political party apparatus that has essentially removed the voices that previously were you know perhaps factionally reticent to go where xi jinping wanted to go they're now basically uh, almost completely uh, yes men to xi jinping And the next few years, it'll be likely to happen well before these Virginia-class submarines, you know, we sign off on those and and have them operating out of our ports under our sovereignty, under our flag. Uh, If it happens at all, it'll happen in the coming years, the next three, maybe five years. Uh, that's generally the thinking, and, uh, and it's certainly what we're hearing out of Xi Jinping's mouth. So these are big things.
0: I, I could probably jump in the middle here and say it all depends on whether you have faith in your government and the De- 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 Department of Defence and procurement over these sorts of big issues and big ticket items, certainly uh, they tend to run over and some oversight is certainly necessary. I do want to move on. Uh, Coming back closer to home now, and we saw a particularly unpleasant exchange during last night's NRL match between South Sydney and the Panthers, with Rabideau star player Latrell Mitchell subjected to a racist slur by a fan on the sidelines. This has prompted outrage from players and administrators, but NRL Chief Executive Andrew Abdo has stopped short of guaranteeing a lifetime ban for the spectator. Yadu, I know you've been at the receiving end of racial abuse You've heard about it, the, the sort of damage it can do to people's mental health. Should zero yeah. tolerance mean perpetrators are banned for life? And I also probably added some context here. I think we understand the um, that the person that made the slur was a child or, or a minor.
2: Mm, absolutely. Well, racism, uh, there's no justification for it. It's always hurtful to the, the receiver. I, I have been through it. I, when I was training to be cardiologist, actually my own boss abused me. But I come from a background in India, which is a very assertive background, and I do not take it easily. I actually retaliated. He called me like something, and I called him trash something, you know, the word before trash. So I actually abused him, very brave of me. He was my guide, and I abused him because it is better to retaliate at that time rather than suffering in silence. So yes, I have been through it, but I have never suffered the consequence of racism long term because I would retaliate. Somebody told me, go back to where you came from. So I said to them, this was Seven Hills. I said to them, you also go back to where you came from because you're also not original. The only original people are Aborigines and your parents or grandfather came here. You also go back to wherever you came from. And they could not believe it. They actually thought, oh my God, I'm ethnic, so I would take it lying down. I didn't. So yes, racism has no justification. And about this uh, uh, rugby player, NRL player... I sympathise with him. Now, the question is, Andrew Abdo or that institution, should they punish a minor or even major for whole life or should they punish for some years and then hopefully uh, educate that person that this is not right because everybody had a chance to reform and review their views. So I would not be going for lifelong ban, but some punishment is mandatory and must be done.
0: What do you think, Hugh? Should this young man be banned for life? Well,
1: we're told he's a teenager and uh, that would count in his favour under most um, sort of sentencing laws. And we're really kind of thinking about it almost like a um, a sort of de facto sentencing. It would depend a fair bit on his attitude. If he is uh, object in their conversations, look, son, I don't think this is a game for you. You're busted. Um, If there's a sign that he's um, you know has some awareness of just how appalling and disgusting and disappointing and how hurtful it is um, how damaging it is to the game the game of rugby league which i happen to love as a game i'm a fan um, is so much enriched and dependent upon uh, people from all different cultural backgrounds including first nations people of course and the great stars of it so many of them have been, uh, you know, Aboriginal players over over time, and Torres Strait Islander players over time, they must feel completely at home in that game. Uh, we, we would hate to see an Adam goods type circumstance where where people just don't want to do it. So I think the game and its administrators recognise that, that they are all over this today. Um, all the coaches, including the uh, rabbit, uh, the uh, the Roosters coach, has basically disavowed themselves of this guy who apparently was wearing a, a Roosters uh, jumper. Uh, so, you know, the people are saying all the right things and mm-hmm. um, it's, a, it's zero tolerance. It sh- has to be.
0: With the time I've got left, I just want to talk to you about the four-day working week. Finally, Labor and Green senators have backed calls for a trial uh, at full pay for employees in a range of sectors. Yadu, you're a cardiologist. Would this go down well in your sector?
2: Yeah, look, this can't be imposed or implemented in every profession, not in health profession, not in hospitals. But I'm aware that it leads to, if you have four days a week work type of week, you get better uh, uh, quality of life, um, more at peace and even more productivity. So I would say that we should experiment, run some trials, maybe six month trial in Australia. I know trials have been done in UK. So this is worth consideration. Of course, it should not be allowed to impact our economy and it should not be allowed to increase the cost of all. If you do that,
0: I'm for it. It it is the cost question as well to employers. Hugh, uh, if this was a four-day working week, we wouldn't be here right now if it was my choice. I mean, everyone wants to take a Friday off, don't they? How feasible is this?
1: Well, I have a personal interest in this. I must declare my daughter, my splendid daughter, works for Unilever in HR. Unilever has trialled this. It's the first major company, multinational company that in Australia and New Zealand has trialled this. In New Zealand, they found that uh, the requirement that they put is that staff get 100% of salaries. They work 80% of the time, but they still have to commit to 100% delivery for the business. That's the the, the arithmetic that they worked to in the New Zealand trial. They found that absenteeism dropped by 33%. Individual well-being improved, stress dropped by about a third. Uh, work-life conflict fell by, t- by 67%. It's helping Unilever hire people because they yeah. want to go there. I mean, I, it all
0: comes down to uh, what, the output rather than where or when you do it. Uh, I think this is the sort of uh, conversation that will probably rattle around, certainly in productivity circles, forever. Uh, we are out of time. Uh, Hugh Remington is the National Affairs Editor for Channel 10 and Dr Yadu Singh is the Secretary of the Federation of Indian Associations of New South Wales. It's been great to have you both. Thank you and have a great weekend. Thank you very
2: much, Andy. Thank you, Hugh. Find
0: more great ABC
1: RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.